If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And this week, we have to forego our corporate sponsorship because we have personal sponsorships this week. This week, we had two personal contributions on Buy Me a Coffee, buying us several gallons of gasoline to sustain our diesel-powered show. And uh, we, we if had... Hang on. You, are you running gasoline in a diesel engine? That, that's Don't tell work. anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> We we had contributions from Walter Spielman, who Matt and I both had the great pleasure of meeting and hanging out with in two of the Wannabea prep courses. Uh, I think it was CISSP and CCSP, if I remember correctly. Cool. Yeah. And um, friend of the show and former guest and uh, just all around great colleague and friend, Roger Eisenhog, uh, who I haven't seen in a while because he lives in the frozen tundra of Norway. Um, so we're getting global sustenance here, which is pretty awesome and amazing. And I want to do a final shout out just again to Paul Kinder, who kind of started the ball rolling a couple of weeks ago with uh, his great contribution and his ongoing support of the show. So thank you, yep. Paul, yep. Roger, and Walter. Thank you, everyone. And I, I hope this doesn't lead to another uh, side discussion about Norway and Sweden and all kinds of <laughs> European stuff that we, I, I think it was, was it the last episode we went off on some tangent on, on stuff like that? It, it, Sweden. It always... yeah. I think, okay. I think the tangent was more about, uh, occurred more after the show when we stayed on to discuss the topic, the, oh, the, oh, yeah. the stuff that we discussed on the show, I think stayed concise and on topic. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> and I, and I feel that way because I always get, I always get the, the, uh, after action report on Monday following when I post a show from my father. He always, he listens on Sunday and then he tells me what he liked and didn't like on Monday. So, oh, okay. Uh, and and he mentioned the Sweden thing, so we stayed on topic. We didn't drift too far. Okay, good. We should yeah. get your dad on here sometime. He, he would probably be good at give, uh, telling us what we're doing wrong and doing right instead of just. Oh, he'd be us. he'd be perfect at it. He he could run the whole show himself. Honestly, you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't need me anymore for sure. I mean, He's half perfect. the half the stuff I say is, you know, when I was a kid, my dad taught me. So you know. <laughs> Why not? We we just go straight to the horse's mouth, right? There we go. Yeah, that would be, that would be an interesting show. We should we should consider that sometime. I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, all right. Uh, no, we won't. Because <laughs> <laughs> now you're rethinking you, it. You know. You know why? The it'd be the technical setup. Would be... <laughs> <laughs> it'd be the blind leading the blind. Oh You'd be my goodness! Yeah, we, I, you know, I I love my father, but I I you know, if we had to, it's hard enough getting you to use the right microphone, Matt. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I cannot help it that you use such a deficient web platform to, to record these shows that it uh -huh. defaults to the yeah, mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blame the software. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now this week, you know, I, we're coming into this laughing and joking and everything. Um, this week, though, we have a much more serious topic and um, one that I think, you know, deserves some gravitas and some attention. Um, Matt, do you want to roll this out and, and handle it? And uh, we'll, we'll chime in where we uh, see needs best. Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, I'm not trying to turn this into a maudlin uh, episode. I don't want to bring it down. Uh, um, but I wanted to talk about something. Uh, 17th anniversary is, of it is coming up later this month. Um, and it was something that impacted my life very significantly. And and uh, trigger warning, this is going to involve death and it's going to involve tragedy and stuff like that. So if, if, if any of our listeners are bothered by any of that type of stuff, by all means, consider skipping to the next show or the next podcast. Or, or finding a different show altogether. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I'm not, yeah, but yeah, all I'd say, I'm not looking for sympathy or anything like that, but I uh, wanted to talk about um, something that happened uh, August 2006, uh, a jet airliner crashed here in Lexington, and uh, my dad was on that airplane, and he passed away along with 49 or well, 48 other people, 49 people total out of 50 uh, died in the plane accident. Um, so it was it was a, a, a big deal, and this was something that, um, uh, obviously, it threw me for a loop for for years. Uh, put me into a uh, a weird headspace, losing my dad, and 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 also just the impact of that public of a tragedy for Lexington. And I'm, I'm not talking about on like a worldwide scale, but here in Lexington, it was a big deal. And so the anniversary of it's coming up. I'm actually going to be speaking at uh, the UPS World Port in Louisville uh, next month uh, in September. At one of their big safety conferences, they they're, they're having me talk about um, some of the airline safety stuff uh, uh, because of my involvement with with this crash. Anyways, all I'd say that's and, all. The and because and because UPS is so focused on air cargo, I mean, right, it, right. it's a big deal for them as well. Yeah, and yeah. it's in the, it's in their backyard. Right, right. Yeah, Louisville is is the hub of UPS, and so uh, it's a it's a huge deal. I don't know if you've ever been to the Louisville Airport. It's it's massive, and UPS runs the runs the joint. If you ever want to see a seven forty seven, if you've ever Looked for 747s, which are these giant airplanes, four-engine airplanes. They're they're kind of rare, except for in Louisville. You can see a 747 any time of day because they fly <laughs> in and out of uh, the UPS uh, uh, Louisville Airport all the time. Um, so, anyways, all that to say, um, uh, I was thinking about it. I haven't spoken about the tragedy. The uh, and this was Comair Flight 5191, crashed in Lexington, Kentucky, August 2006. I haven't talked about it since the the 10th anniversary. Um, I, I basically turned off all of my public communications about it because I had spoken to news media. I've done, uh, uh, there was a, a documentary that was done by CNN that I was involved in, uh, newspaper articles. I've been involved in a bunch of stuff with it. And at the, after the 10th anniversary, I, I finally said, okay, I, I'm done talking about this. It, it um, must be exhausting. I mean, it, yeah. at, at some point you end up being identified as, you know, uh, the victim's son. And, right. and and that's and that's got to just be emotionally taxing in and of itself beyond what you had to suffer from losing your father. Right. Right. Yeah. And I didn't want that to be my identity. And right. had, <laughs> I don't think it ever I ever felt like it was fully my identity, but I didn't ever want to even encroach on 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 being a victim or being being a family member of a victim or anything like that. So I, I basically all I'd say, I stopped talking about it um, um, and, and I've just lived my life for the last seven years. Can I just jump in though? You you yeah. kind of glossed over the, the documentary. The, the film is called Soul Survivor, mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, notwithstanding your appearance in it, um, it's actually a very, very good piece of work. Um, and yeah. it's fascinating. They they go through several, I, I forget how many different crashes. There, Yeah, there's four storylines in the movie um, mm -hmm. where it's an airline crash that's resulted in the deaths of hundreds of people and one person lived through the airplane crash. So it, it's Which just, a just a story. bizarre cinematic thing anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it lends itself to a storyline. Um, but I thought it was very well produced. I mm -hmm. thought it could have gone over into the realm of mawkishness. It could have been it could have been really emotionally cloying. And I didn't think it did that. I, mm -hmm. I think it conveyed a lot of fascinating information. And and uh, if, if anyone gets an opportunity, go look it up. It's called Soul Survivor. What year did it mm -hmm. come out? 2014, I believe. Um, and yeah, I think you can get on like Amazon prime. Like I said, it was a CNN film. It, it, it aired on CNN. Um, Kai Dickens, uh, who I got to meet through this, uh, was the director of it. And she actually came through Lexington. Um, and obviously the storyline was about the sole survivor of, uh, of each of these airline crashes. And, and in 5191, it was the co-pilot, the, the, the first officer, his name was Jim Polhinky. Uh, as far as I know, he's still uh, around. Um, and so 5191 was a little bit weird as compared to the other stories that were in that documentary because this was a flight officer. This was a person at the controls of the airplane as opposed to- It was to one of the crew. Passenger. Yeah. yeah. And, and, which has got to add extra guilt and, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this is the person who was entrusted with the safety of this of this vehicle and, and he was the only one to survive out of uh, 49 other deaths. And, uh, and, the, and the, part, the pilot, um, uh, actually passed away, but the co-pilot did not. And so, yeah, that was, uh, that whole story. And so, and, and when I met Kai, uh, the director, uh, I actually said to her, this isn't my story. This is, this is Mr. Polhinky's story. Uh, and she said, well, but we were looking for all the, the perspectives from all the family members and stuff like that, because there was a little bit of, you know, are you guys mad at him? Do you, do you, do you begrudge him because he lived and your loved one, your dad, your mom, your brother, your sister, they didn't. And it was one of those weird things where we had to kind of uh, we're, we're we're not going to really get into that that aspect of it because um, everybody has very personal feelings about about um, all that. But but anyways, yeah. So so I gotta ask. I gotta ask. <laughs> Do I feel? <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Um, Is there enmity there? If there ever was, it's it's long since dissipated. Um, it's it's much more of dealing with the loss and uh, um and and mr polhinky has gone through a lot um not just because he he lived and he has the guilt and all that kind of stuff i mean he was physically very very uh injured in the crash he lost a leg uh he's wheelchair bound now i mean this is a guy who is a professional pilot and now can no longer fly uh can no longer pursue his his dreams uh he had pretty severe head trauma um and stuff like that so he's he's living with a lot of um uh, the, the, the consequences of, of this, I don't feel like he got off scot-free, uh, by any means he's, he, he didn't win the great lottery by, by living through this, this plan. Yeah. Soul survivor doesn't mean he walked away unscathed. I mean, right, it's right, yeah, right. yeah. 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 So, um, um, and, um, yeah, he and I actually exchanged, uh, emails, uh, years ago after the, the documentary came out, um, he reached out to me through email. Um, and he just basically said look I'm, I'm i'm sorry um for your loss i'm sorry that this whole accident happened and and i basically emailed him back and said yeah i appreciate that thanks and we've never spoken you know in person or anything like that but we we have exchanged emails on one on one occasion in the past okay 
All right. All right, good. Uh, th- I think that's as satisfactory as you're going to get. Yeah. 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 So all that to to say, though, and again, I'm not trying to turn this into like the Matt Snotty show, <laughs> the Connor 51, everybody feels sympathy for Matt. But I was, but I wanted to, I was kind of thinking of it in terms of my dad was a business person. He ran, uh, I think I've talked about him a little bit in the past. Uh, you know, he was a CPA, forensic accountant, uh, business valuation analyst. So he was big in, in accounting and stuff like that. And he owned his own consulting company, Snotty Consulting. And Snotty Consulting was based in Lexington, but also had offices in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and in Stewart, Florida. So he operated out of three states. And in fact, that's where he was flying uh, the day of the crash. He was flying to his uh, Florida office. And But I was thinking, you know, how many businesses, especially smaller businesses, but even larger businesses, can can withstand something like an airplane crash where you lose the principal or you lose some key person of your of your business. And and that's what insurance calls it. They call it a key man policy mm-hmm. and you're insuring basically the business for the loss of either the faculties or the life of that person who is the business. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's estimated higher than just what their life would cost. It's right. the life of the business as well. Right, right. Because, you know, he had employees. He had uh, rent. He, you know, he owned offices. He owned real estate. Um, he, he had, had customers assets. who were relying yeah. on him. Right, right. And, in fact, he and I were, uh, this was before I'd gotten into the forensics for the, the, the computers and stuff like that. But I was actually working with him uh, on several cases where he, he had brought me in basically as a computer consultant to help him out with stuff. So we were in the middle of this one big trial that he was the uh, uh, forensic accountant for. And... All of a sudden, he's gone. <laughs> that case, you know, uh, you know, has to continue on without him, and without me uh, <laughs> as a consequence as well. But the, I was thinking about, you know, the people who were involved in that case. All of a sudden, what what do you do when you have this key expert witness that just poof, dead, gone, can't yep. help you anymore? <laughs> and, and there's people who are relying on that. You know, that yeah. that testimony was going to change the outcome of somebody else's life as well. Yeah. Right. 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 So. So I was thinking about those types of things, um, and and now that I have some distance from the tragedy and I've gotten away from some of the my, my personal feelings, I was just reevaluating uh, because Dad's business had to fold. It had to, uh, but there was the process of a couple of years where it had to be, it, it had to to be shut down gracefully, kind of like like we say in in IT. <laughs> you can't just pull the plug and and have it all disappear. You know, there was still billing, there was still uh, uh, finances that had to be managed. So all of us that were in his orbit, we're all basically trying to communicate with customers and communicate with people. Um, uh, his, his estate still had money coming in. He still had, you know, uh, money going out and stuff like that, but, but trying to shut all that down gracefully. It was a weird time. Um, but can, can, I ask, can I ask a question very, very pertinent to us? Yeah. If, if there's strong security where his access control is um, very regimented. Mm-hmm. Is it harder then to do the graceful extrication of the business? Because, for instance, can you break into his laptop? Can you check his email? Can you? Take... <laughs> right. I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. serious here. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know, I know. We we have we have this weird seesaw effect of if he's doing the correct things in securing his access to his information, does that make it harder for you to go in and clean up afterwards um, you know, as the executor or as the, the trustee of the, the organization? Um, yeah, from a business standpoint, definitely. 
Um, thankfully, like I said, this was in 2006 and, and multi-factor wasn't a thing, but had it happened in 2023, he would have had multi-factor probably on all of his accounts. It would have been on his phone. He would have had his phone on him and very likely that phone would have gone up in smoke in the crash. And so then what happens if your 2FA goes away <laughs> and you can't get into your stuff? So then you're resorting, basically resorting to, you know, the, the grace of tech support <laughs> to let you in. Um, from a personal standpoint, as the executor or the administrator of an estate, you 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 are granted a lot of uh, secure a, a lot of access to someone's finances and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and I'm sure so, you can get a court order to get right. whoever the IT provider is to disclose it. Now, what happens if that stuff's encrypted? Right. Even if they give you the data, now now where do you go from there? If you don't have the credentials, it's going to be almost impossible to unlock anyway. Right. But if you make easy backdoors, well, <laughs> now the whole point of security has has dissipated. Right. 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 So, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't happen again to to any of us or to any of our listeners. But uh, but yeah, the the reality of it is. Uh, so what what what, so what, are your what are your lessons learned from the circumstance? And I, I want to piggyback here in a very minor tangential way. Uh, you and I experienced something similar with the way we met. Uh, you and I met in an online alumni website uh, mm -hmm. many, many years ago. Yeah. And um, the person who was running our hosting died suddenly in his yeah. 30s in a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember and, that, too. And yeah. it was completely out of left field. And um, we had a very little way of recovering our capability because uh, he had all the credentials. He had all the access and he hadn't shared them with anyone out of uh, concern for security. Right. Um, so what were your lessons learned in this situation? Well, um, the, the, the biggest one was don't talk to the media if you don't have to. <laughs> 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 I learned that one <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> uh, can, can I put a caveat in there? I, I would say have someone trained talk to them. Yeah, right, you, right. There yeah. are consultants and services that will perform this for you, and they're very good at what they do. Um, yeah. And make, make use of that. I, I overestimated my ability to be a public speaker when <laughs> I started talking to reporters and stuff like that. Uh, uh, because I wasn't in any state of mind or prepared in any way to to, to handle that. You're compromised. You're yeah. compromised in yeah. that situation. And unfortunately, a lot of the media make use of that because oh, it, yeah. it, it makes for good copy. Yeah. Um, and I okay. learned very quickly which uh, news stations were looking for the if it bleeds, it leads and which ones were looking for the actual humanity uh, behind uh, the story and actually in, engage with me. But that's all, you know, aside from all that. Um, yeah, we relied heavily on lawyers. Dad's estate uh, required two full-time lawyers almost three years to untangle everything and get it all straightened out. It was such a, I'm not saying it was left in a in, in a bad state when he died, but it was, he was a businessman. He, I mean, he had a lot of business deals going on. He had things that were happening that only he knew about. And it took years for people to tease out, okay, where, where was this money going or why was this person involved or, or stuff like that? It's a uh, and and it's not something that a a lay person can do. And I'm not and and, and even the attorneys had to bring in other forensics uh, uh, accountants okay. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. To, um, to so so let me ask you this: in terms of a lessons learned, 
would it behoove a small business owner or a key person in a key personnel situation um, to keep a running diary or journal of what's going on, at least notes, you know, it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a novel, you don't have to write an entire narrative, but at mm. least documentation that could be passed on or, or would uh, you know, uh, 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 survive your existence so that anyone coming in and looking at it afterwards could could kind of do a thumbnail sketch of, oh, okay, we don't know the, the account numbers for everything, but at least we know what the setup is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that one of the key things would be, um, for instance, I think Joey and I have talked about this uh, or joked about it on uh, on a previous podcast. Um, he and I know each other's BitLocker keys for our laptops. So if if Joey gets hit by a bus, I can unlock his laptop and get into it. If I get hit by a bus, Joey can can unlock mine. Our our spouses don't know <laughs> our BitLocker keys, but we 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 trust each other, and so I think that that is is probably one, at least one small aspect of it. You could not get everything if you got into my laptop. You could get you could get a lot of stuff. You could figure out a lot of things about how I handle stuff, and so. And that would help. That would help. Yeah. But now, and I'm not joking. This is not. This is not me making fun of that situation. You and he travel in a car a lot together. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of trust there. Well, and, you oh, oh, you're your talking about, yeah. You, you lose your redundancy. <laughs> right. If we get hit by a bus and we both die, then yeah, you know, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, this. But this is a concern for BCDR purposes. That that's yeah. that is not a good policy. I, I have right. to say. Yeah, yeah. We should travel in separate cars and eat separate meals and and be in each other's proximity as little as possible. <laughs> but I, get somebody I, else the information. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Thank yeah. you. Rafi knew where I was going. It's great that you and Joey have that trust, but you work in concert too closely yeah. for that to be a true effective redundancy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, from that, from that perspective, yeah, there, there's definitely the aspect of, yeah, not only having a trusted third party uh, or a trusted other party, but, but maybe redundancy for that as well. If in the event that you, <laughs> that Joey and I both get hit by the same bus. Well, it has to, it has to be at arm's length from where you are and you and right. Joey are often within arm's length. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so there's, there's certainly all that aspect of it. Um, but I was also thinking of, you know, uh, even in, in bigger, or, you know, medium organizations and large organizations, how many organizations have one person as a linchpin? We can put in as much redundancy into positions with people as much as possible, and we do all the all, all the uh, the best practices stuff where we uh, have people change roles out, or we have um, uh, what's the thing in banking where they job rotation, uh, yeah, mandatory job, leave, yeah. yeah, 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 all that type of stuff. But there's still a lot of high end uh c-level roles where it's just one person that knows the stuff but the policy there and this is yeah. easier in a corporation where you yeah. do have official officers and there's legal definitions of the roles um for instance one of them and, and i like to think of this as is the monty python deadly joke approach um your password you know your universal private key Mm -hmm. You carve that up into three pieces and you give one piece to the COO, one to the CFO, one to general counsel. That way, if something does happen to the CEO, those three parties can get together, reassemble that private key. And now they have um, utmost access 
to the CEO's accounts. Mm -hmm. and, and that's done. That's done on a routine basis in a mature organization. You can do that with a large outfit. It's much harder in a small operation. It's much mm -hmm. harder for you because you'd have to find three people that you trust that are legally obligated to come together to uh, right. reform your your capabilities after you're gone. Right. 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 Which I don't think I have three people I trust that much. And, and that's I'm literally, literally, that's what I'm saying. And yeah, three people yeah. who are beholden to the company to to make sure that that works out, right? Yeah, but they, but but what you're saying though, in, in these bigger situations, people actually do that. I've I've heard about that. I never knew it actually occurred that yes. you would carve up a a pass key or something like that three ways. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of like it's kind of like the concept of two person integrity, where you know, turn your key, sir. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like that. Um, uh, but you, there's also other approaches to it. You know, there's key escrow, where mm -hmm. you can pay an external entity specifically to hold on to your keys for you um, yeah. in the event that something's compromised or lost, and that includes a person. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else that you learned um, in in dismantling it, other than lawyers are expensive? <laughs> yeah, fortunately the estate pays for that, but then that also means that the estate the, uh, uh, gets depleted. <laughs> exa that's exactly what I'm saying. Not that the lawyers are there, you know, to siphon off everything of value, but if they're working for two, you know, three years full time. Mm -hmm. They deserve to get paid too. It's not a charity for them. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not begrudging the lawyers uh, their fees by any means. Um, I don't know. There was, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff that I uh, had, had kind of had some thoughts about. Um, oh, uh, from a personal standpoint, gosh, having a will. Having, <laughs> my, my dad uh, passed away without a will. And Are you called, kidding me? No. Are you a forensic accountant? Yes. That blows me away. It blows me away how many parents don't yeah. have any estate planning. Yeah. Um, is this something you've prepared for? I mean, now that you've gone through this situation yes. already. Yeah, yeah. Now I carry life insurance. Yeah, when my dad passed, yeah, get a will, get get life insurance, and all the uh, all all the things. But my dad had been through so many. Uh, uh, again, a little bit of personal note about my dad. Uh, he had divorced my mom when I was like a late teenager. Had gotten a, had had a second marriage, and then was on his third marriage. And here's the kicker: um, was had already uh, drawn up the paperwork for his third divorce, but the papers had not yet been served. Oh, jeez. <laughs> to his, <laughs> his third. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at that, but the, you know, and this is where we start to, this is where we start to ask the, the, the joking question. Those two lawyers working for three years, did they find a fourth and fifth secret family in Florida and North Carolina? Thankfully, no. Okay. All right. But, uh, um, uh, yeah, so so part of the whole uh, uh, the 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 intestate no will situation was because he he had gone through several big life changes, and so he had had a a handwritten will uh, that was unenforceable that had never been notarized or anything like that, uh, which got thrown out, and so uh, the, Wait, the court that's decided, unenforceable in in in, uh, in in that specific instance. Yeah, it was not it was not enforceable. Kentucky, yeah. that's not that's not a thing. It, it can be, um, and unless it's contested and then it's up to a judge. And, and in this case, the judge decided it was, it was not enforceable. Okay. So. Cause, cause in Louisiana, it's oddly enough in Louisiana, it's called a holographic will. Mm -hmm. And, um, it is, it is, uh, enforceable. It is, can, it is considered one of the, the ways to convey, um, 
Your, yeah, and, and 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 his could have been. Um, it was just that that was the way that the judge. There was too many parties it. fighting over the the soup at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And there's other personal stories in there, like the fact that um, uh, he did not his 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 grave did not have a headstone for two years uh, because we were fighting over the wording <laughs> on that. Um, so, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't mean to laugh. But <laughs> no, damn, I, I bring it on because, because it's funny. Because, yeah. Okay, but, but see, this is the checklist that someone should make and say, hey, if you're going to be a parent, if you're going to be a spouse, if you're going to be a business person, you should take care of all this shit first and foremost because yeah. you never know when that bus is going to hit you. You never know. You know, there's a litany of things that could go wrong, and you don't want that burden to be on the people you care about when it occurs. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So all that, uh, th th there's so many stories that came out of <laughs> this whole thing. And it's not necessarily that I was fighting with my brother and sister. Uh, we all got along fine. It was that there was um, the future Mrs. X, Tim Snotty, was not quite yet an X. <laughs> and uh, was, was. And that gives her legal claim. That yeah, gives her was... legal claim understandably so you know mm -hmm. and that's an yep. entanglement that you can't just say doesn't exist right yeah. right right uh but she was legally next of kin which meant that she got a whole lot of say over the final disposition of uh, of things like that all because uh dad couldn't have uh filed his paperwork you know a week sooner <laughs> or something like that or or after the second marriage figured out that marriage yeah. probably isn't the best vehicle either for him or for human beings in general. I, I, I don't know. It's just me. I, I don't mean to bring my own biases into the show. Yeah. So uh, there, there, there's all that type of stuff. So anyways, um, but yeah, uh, get life insurance, uh, get a will, especially if you have dependents, if you have uh, other people who rely on you for, um, for you know uh, financial income uh for uh held just for uh, uh what they call it consortium uh there, there there's a pr provision called loss of consortium that you can sue for because um uh if a uh if an entity has taken away one of your loved ones you can no longer consort with them you, you you can't be friendly you can't hang out with them you can't have them as a parent or a sibling or something like that um that's grounds to sue somebody on because of loss of consortium um so I learned a lot about the legal system <laughs> and and who actually gets blamed in uh, whenever you have something like this happen. I, and I would, I would go further and I would say, do it now. Don't, mm -hmm. don't talk about doing estate planning. And, and, and this is not an ad for estate attorneys or whatever. Um, but it's one of those things that's way too easy to say, Oh, you know, we're busy this month. Let, let's kick it out to next month or next quarter right. or whatever. Do it now. It, if you and your spouse are expecting a child, go do it now before the kid arrives. I mean, these are all things that need to be squared away. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, any, any of those big life things that uh, you've, you've thought about and you've thought, oh, that's what old people do. No, young people need to do them too. <laughs> Welcome to being a grown-up, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things I want to talk about a little bit was, I, I don't know, Ben, have you, uh, and Rafi, I don't know, have you ever heard of the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board? Of course. Of course. Um, and hang on, just before just before we get to that, mm -hmm. Rafi, you're a parent now. Did you do all this estate planning shit before you had the kid? Mm, not life insurance yet. Um, I mean, Are you Australia kidding has... me? 
Austria hasn't, we pay so much on taxes and there is some, like, my kid gets money if I'm dead. Oh, okay. So there are survivor benefits. We have that here in the U.S. under it's our social security. In Austria, ours is really ours is really weak, and no, and, it, and it and it caps out if the estate has a certain amount or if the other spouse has a certain amount of income. So no, okay, no. all right, all right. I didn't realize. Well, that. My wife gets money there as well, but if, but typically people do it anyway. So I might should have done it. And for me, the case is like. We all use password managers, and what I did is my second factor is um, is YubiKey, so a physical thing, and I have backups, and those backups are some of them are not stored at my house as well. So if a fire happens at my place, somebody else can access it, and so on. So it's Good. it's a little bit more entangled, and this would have been my recommendation as well. Don't split the password. Maybe split the different parts of the of the vault, um, like what I like to use is one password. And so you have different, like you have a password, you have the vault key and you have the, the 2FA key. So that's already three things and you can give everybody a different thing. And your business partners know and have access and yep. there's instructions for, okay, good, good. Absolutely. All right, yep. it's good that you're taking care of your business better than your family. I like that. That's a good progress. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point because Rafi's Rafi's company is is fairly small because you guys are what about a dozen people, fifteen people, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so and you so were, we're one of small. three co-founders, right? Yes, three co-founders, but only two um, owners at this point. Yeah. Our third yeah. one left, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's you, a big deal. Then you then you are instrumental to the survival of the organization. Sure. No, absolutely. We know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. We know. All right, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> Take us into the NTSB. This is now. Yes. From so what does it? I have no clue what it is, and I, I did not want to derail it. But what is if we already have National a great National Transportation uh, Safety Board? Is that yep. what it is? Yep. And, yep. and okay. what they do is they reconstruct the entire aircraft from the wreckage afterwards. Yep. What? Okay. And and not just uh, so they're the the National Transportation Safety Board. So they also investigate boat accidents, train accidents. Um, very rarely they'll get involved in uh, you know semis or auto automobiles or stuff like that. But usually you hear about them whenever there's a plane crash. And if a plane crash involves either an American plane or American passengers, the NTSB will go overseas to other countries as well. Not they so did that with the Lockerbie thing, didn't they? Uh, yeah, the one in Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, if you want to talk about thorough, if you want to talk about reconstructing <laughs> to the nth degree, the NTSB <laughs> is the organization for you because they are amazing. They take time. They take a long time. But when they come out with their final report on any given accident or any given incident, you can bet that it will have every stone turned, every I dotted, every T crossed. It will be the de facto uh, Bible on on what led up to what occurred and what the fallout was for any given uh, incident that they investigate. Um, so, of course, it's an airline accident. So NTSB um, and NTSB has go teams on standby at at all times, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So when the accident occurred here in Lexington, uh, the NTSB had people on the ground within three hours, I think it was. Here in Lexington, so they, they, I mean, they, they immediately activated the teams, and they had people here. And I think the way I understand it, it's like the nest teams 
these aren't full-time employees of the FAA or the NTSB uh, or the Department of Transportation. What they are is they're authorized agents that mm-hmm. are activated when the emergency or contingency occurs. That way they can have many more spread out over more areas and they don't have to sustain this infrastructure. They just say, okay, who are the five people in Lexington who are authorized to to take part? And they activate them. And then they bring in over the next 24 to 72 hours the, the rest of the team from wherever they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the um, I, I know that there were fully badged NTSB members in town by that afternoon. So yeah, they they, they activated quick. Um, yeah. So uh, as, as in terms of you know, like you were saying, I'm not sure about how that all works, um, but uh, NTSB takes over the crash scene um, and immediately cordons off everything, and they start their investigation. They start picking up the pieces, and they start. Um, not just looking at the aircraft, and th- this is important, I think, in security in general, and 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 uh, in our field in particular, looking for the root causes of any given incident. And that's not always just the pilots. That's not always just the aircraft itself. It can be everything that led up to it, from the maintenance to the who was staffing the air traffic control tower. To how much sleep did they get? You know, how many cups of coffee did they drink? Right, and and th- this is done in the military too. The Air Force does this when they do. Um, uh, it's called an AIB uh, Aircraft Investigation Board, I think, um, and they'll go to the spouse and the family of the the air crew who were involved and they will get them to reconstruct the last 24 hours of that person's life. And it's hard because right now they've just gotten the news, they're grieving, they're in shock. But those questions have to be asked with an immediacy so that the information is as fresh and viable. You can't wait a week to try to recover that information. Right, right. You want to to, to get it as, as thorough uh, as quickly as possible. So, so yeah, so the NTSB uh, started their investigation, and um, I had been familiar with them having been in the aviation community for uh, for years. I'd never seen them actually do their work. Um, and one of the interesting things about the NTSB is, of course, like I said, they're very thorough. They also focus heavily on communications. So they were giving a briefing daily. Uh, they made it so that uh, you could either be in person or you could be on a uh, conference call line as a family member um, and listen to it. Um, and they're very dry, <laughs> very factual. They don't make any speculation at all. Um, they don't uh, uh, guess. They don't have any conjecture. But they will tell everything that they can from, you know, uh, uh, since the last time that they had given um, a public uh, statement and keep you abreast of, of what all is going on. Now, that being said, it feels so slow. It feels like stuff moves at a snail's pace when the NTSB gets involved, because all you want, as especially as a family member, if, um, is answers. You know, there, there's got to be a simple explanation. And one thing the NTSB tells you is there is never a simple explanation for any given incident, uh, especially involving loss of life. It's always a sequence of events that line up specifically in a certain way that led to this happening, because there are checks and balances all over, not just in aviation and and, and every industry that keep them uh, safe and keep them running correctly. But every now and then the 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 holes in the Swiss cheese uh, slices all line up so that the wrong thing keeps happening over and over until the the, the big incident actually happens. And so, you know, I, I hate to go too deep into fiction for this, but it's the Jurassic Park philosophy, the chaos theory implementation of life will out where 
you can put all the fail safes in the world on something, there's that 0.0001% chance. And in an, in a world with infinite possibilities, that thing will be realized at some at some point. Now, I love what you said about how methodical it is and how slow it is and how objective it is. I think our industry, the InfoSec industry, could take a huge page out of that book. It, I've said this before on the show. If your response to any sort of incident or contingency or BCDR activity is to, within 24 hours, make a statement about it, you're going to be wrong. <laughs> you, it's, it's never what you think it is, and the extent and the impact and, and the source, all of it is not known for at least 72 hours. So the smartest thing that we could say is we don't know yet. We are investigating. We'll let you know as soon as we know. Everybody hates hearing that because we have the internet. We expect to see it right now. What's the answer? Here it is, you know, and we've seen movies, and the you know the hero swoops in and go, ah, I I found this cigarette butt. Therefore, I know who did it. You know, no, it takes time, and yep. and and I think our industry should not be so fast on the trigger. We should slow the hell down and and be able to get good information rather than fast information. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because take, for instance, any given, let's say a, a ransomware breach company gets ransomware. Okay. Well, the company wants to put out a, a press statement or, or probably doesn't want to, but, but nonetheless, a press statement, you know, we got breached, we got ransomware. Okay. But the actual true root cause of that ransomware is not just, we got hacked. It, the, the, there was some series of events that had to lead up to a malicious actor getting access and putting ransomware on your device. What was that sequence? Well, that's where all the forensics, that's where all the investigation, that's where all the time has to come in because there is a root cause and it may be multiple root causes that all lined up correctly in, in this particular particular incident, incident or instance. But you got to figure it out. You got to take the time. You can't just gloss over it with a, a, a wide paintbrush and say, well, we got ransomware. Oh, well, uh, we cleaned it up. We moved on. No, where did it come from? How did it happen? <laughs> there, there are things that are that are much deeper here that need to be addressed. Exactly. Very, very good. And and that again is not ready information. That is something that takes uh investigation and extrication of that to to get to those root causes. Yep. Um all right, well, awesome. But you were satisfied with, with the work the NTSB did eventually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that the final report. So they they release a preliminary report usually at about the, I want to say about the one year mark. And it gives you an idea of where their investigation is going and where it's led them so far. And I think that the final report came out, I want to say three or four years uh, after uh, the accident happened. So it was a long time. Um, but we all, you know, we all knew what... What, what had happened, we just wanted to know, and, and the NTSB wants to know, okay, what what were the actual contributing factors, as they like to say? Um, so in, in, in this instance, Flight 5191, there were two runways in Lexington. Um, one was the, uh, the, one, the, the longer runway, the wider runway that's used for jets and for passenger airplanes. And then there was a shorter runway that was used for general aviation. Well, it was pretty obvious the morning of that the this airliner, um, had lined up on the general aviation runway. It was on it was on the short runway without realizing it. And it tried to take off on the short runway and it never got airborne because it ran out of runway. It ran into trees at the end of the of the runway. But then 
you, you, you can look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, they lined up on the wrong runway. Well, the NTSB goes, why did it line uh-huh. up on the wrong runway? Good, good. And why wasn't it caught at any of these fail-safe gates? Right. Why was that not caught before the throttle was pushed forward? Right. Um, okay. And, and I got I to gotta imagine that one year, forget four years, but one year seems interminable when you're trying to deal with your grief. Because one of the things you want is that, you know, all vaunted closure that everybody talks about. And part of that is knowing why did this happen and why did this happen to my father? And and that's got to be very difficult when you're waiting a year or four years to get that resolution. (laughs) Not that it changes what occurred, but it's something that you can check that off in your head and say, okay, that's one thing put to rest, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that we heard over and over again. Yeah, closure for the families and all this kind of stuff. Well, uh, closure in our, in my case, I won't speak for anybody else. It wasn't just one specific, okay, this thing, this information came forward. Okay, now I'm done and the grieving process is over and I can move on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not scoffing, but I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no magical switch that gets flipped. Right. 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 And it's different for every individual, every person. Um, and you know, there were, there were 48 other families with individuals in and of themselves that each had their own level of what they might consider when they were done or when they were, when they, when they got closure or when they were done grieving, nobody ever actually truly is done with it. You just kind of get callous to it and you move past it. And, um, yeah. You continue your life. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just another aspect of who you are, yeah. how you yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah. At some point I've, I, I've got to keep working. <laughs> I've got a family to take care of. I've got, you know, I had young kids at the time. Now they're all in college, but gosh, my, uh, my kids were six, four and two at the time. Um, we had dogs, <laughs> you know, somebody's got to keep feeding and watering the dogs and, and, and taking them on walks and stuff like that. You know, life doesn't end just because something like this happens. So. So yeah, um, that was um, um, the, the having the NTSB report was was important. Uh, I've got a copy of it somewhere. I've got I've got boxes of stuff uh, up in my attic that 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 is from that time. Uh, newspaper articles, uh, videotapes, uh, cards that people, family and friends sent me. People I didn't know. Uh, you know, uh, would, would send trinkets, would send uh, cards, you know, well wishes and stuff like that. I've got boxes and boxes of all that stuff. And I've got the NTSB report up there. Um, and I'll, I, I keep telling myself, I'll look at it one, one day. <laughs> the day will come when, I, when, I, when I'm finally uh, uh, okay with see, you know, seeing it all. My kids probably have more interest in it than I do because for me, it's just too raw. Um, but it's, it's up there for them. It's a but, valuable time capsule, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. really is. And for your kids and their kids, I think it's a very worthwhile thing to have. Yeah, yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, that, as a side note to all that, so my youngest daughter is uh, just turned 10 years old. She just took her plane ride, her, her very first plane ride this past summer. We flew to the beach. Um, and she's known the story of her grandfather uh, and how he died. Um, she never knew him. She was born after uh, uh, he had already passed away. But when she went to the airport, she made a point of telling everybody that had a flight attendant uniform or a pilot's uniform that her grandfather had died on a plane crash, <laughs> which 
Sometimes I love kids, and that's the sort of thing that's just awesome. That is that is really from the mouths of babes. She loved you uh, know, seeing the reactions is, of people. This is some stewardess, you know, who's yeah, right. just you know trying to go to work and <laughs> trying to do her job. And, oh yeah, boy, she's got a little shit over here talking about how her dad died or her grandfather died in a, in that's a plane crash. Awesome. Did she so. keep saying, hey, hey, check the runway? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Are we sure this is the active? Okay. <laughs> is this the right heading? Does, uh -huh. your comp does, does, does your compass match what you see on the runway? So, <laughs> uh, so anyways. What did so, you think of the flight? What did she think of the oh, flight? Oh, she loved it. Once she landed, uh, she she had a lot of anxiety. She She's just a naturally anxious kid anyway. But uh, she had a lot of anxiety. But once she landed, she was like, that, that was awesome. And and I've, I've I've tried to kind of foster in my kids a love and a passion and appreciation for the things that I do, and one of those being aviation. And so I loved it that she actually enjoyed uh, flying. And so we'll How see. How about the trip back? Was she less anxious? Was yes, she... much. Yeah, once she had gotten through the, the first uh, round of it, then, yeah, the trip back was uh, smooth sailing. She enjoyed it. So, yep. Outstanding. Outstanding. That's great. And all this to say, obviously, the aviation industry – Part of the reason you probably haven't heard of this particular uh, accident is, or, or if you have, it's it's long since been forgotten by you, would be a aviation has gotten so safe. It is they have so many layers, and uh, all the technology has gotten up to up to speed. And in fact, since this particular incident, one of the things that that uh, is a check in a in an airliner nowadays is: Are you on the correct runway? Does your compass heading match the runway heading? Uh, and you know there's some pilot who's going through, and the checklist is huge, and they're going through, right. they're like, this is the stupidest fucking step on the checklist. <laughs> Who would be so dumb to be on? And that's and that's the reason why. It right. is, every step on that checklist is there yep. because there was an accident before, yep. right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So. So and and thankfully a lot of those checklists are now uh, automated. Uh, the computers handle a whole lot of that stuff, and all they do is uh, you know do the callouts and 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 cross check all that kind of stuff. But anyways, all I'd say, don't let uh, uh, don't let this turn you off of aviation, especially flying <laughs> commercially. <laughs> if, if anyone has any anxiety about flying, it, um, I, I don't have any personal compunctions about flying. Uh, commercial. Uh, I prefer general aviation, but I'll fly commercial <laughs> without a without a problem. Um, it, it's so so much safer than being in a car. Oh yeah, yeah. Statistically, I mean, it's speaking, much yeah. more controlled. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that today. I don't know if you got uh, one of the thing, one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up. A lot of people that I've run across find it interesting that I have had this experience in my life yet are very reluctant to engage me about it because they want to be sensitive about it they don't want they, they don't want to you know seem crass and be you know you're morbid. luckily on the show filled of uh autistic um security <laughs> dweebs and we have zero compunction about peeling off emotional scars so welcome uh, to the party so, pal yeah yeah so anyway uh um, so yeah we we you know let fewer and fewer people ask me about it because obviously time makes makes people forget about it. But uh, uh, we are coming up on the 17th anniversary. We're not doing anything public for it. We used to do public uh, remembrances for it up until the 10th anniversary, and then uh, we stopped because probably because the families were tired of it. We were uh, it, it was it was like a family reunion every year, seeing everybody. 
and at some point it's got to seem like a form of necrophilia honestly i mean yeah. we're, we're, <laughs> I, it, yeah. I, I I don't mean to make light of it, but at, at some point you got to stop worshiping the dead, right? right and right, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody. The, again, it's not your defining element. Right, right. We needed yeah. needed a break, and we needed a, a especially from the not least of which being from the reporters that every year I still get the phone calls every year on the uh, anniversary. You know, the uh, the three major news stations always. Uh, call my phone. Hey, you want to say anything about the, 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 on the anniversary of the crash? And it's like, what, what, what can I possibly say? On the 17th <laughs> year, can't you just say, hey, pull the quotes from last year. They're still right. in effect, right? <laughs> Nothing has changed right. for anybody in the past, you know, 12 to 24 to 48 months, right? right. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so. so you, as you said, like you are into aviation, like was this afterwards? Was this before? And did you like take a break after the incident? With aviation. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I got my license, my flight, my pilot's license when I was young, when I was uh, 17 years old. So I, I, I've been okay. into aviation for a very long time. Now, after this, um, I took one more flight in a Cessna 172, uh, Father's Day 2007. So this, the, the crash happened in 2006, Father's Day 2007. My wife said, um, how do you feel? Do you want to go fly? And I said, I'm not really sure how I feel about flying anymore. And so I went up uh took my kids uh just did a loop around the city and after i landed i you know parked the plane and said i think i'm done i think that 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 spark that i had for flying myself uh as a, as a pilot i think it's gone so from that perspective yeah i've i've not flown uh, a, a plane since then I've flown in planes, you know, commercially, but I have not flown a general aviation Cessna, you know, Piper or something like that uh, since then. So it kind of killed a little bit of a spark. And I keep wondering if it's going to come back. Um, and I've explored, you know, going, you know, you, 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 you your pilot's license never expires. You, uh, it's just no longer current. So um, I've I've considered going back and getting recurrent um, and, and getting back into it. But the spark just hasn't come back quite yet since then. So still, still good at uh, air shows, still love seeing jets and military stuff like that. Um, as a pure side note and as a pure coincidence, um, went to the Dayton, Ohio air show the following year, 2000, uh, summer of 2007. And right in front of us, we had a plane crash on the runway killed the pilot at the air show, shut down the air show. And my wife and I looked at each other and we both just went, are you kidding me? Seriously. Matt, is it possible that you're just cursed? <laughs> it's very possible, I guess. <laughs> this has been 16 years ago, of course, as well. Like what's yeah. in the other 16 years, another accident, then I would see something. But <laughs> oh, I think two is enough of a trend. It's like a marriage. Yeah, but after, you know, you know, it's after enough. 16 you know, years of not two testing. is sufficient. Two yeah. points, you can draw a line. That's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, 2006, 2007, those were bad years for me in terms of aviation. <laughs> At some point, uh, Matt, I'm going to get my private's license. And, yeah. and you know, uh, I don't want you anywhere near my fucking plane. Good. I don't want to be anywhere near <laughs> okay. anyway. Right. On a normal day, much less around a plane. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, wow. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough for sharing it, and and I, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't want to feel as if we're being ghouls and dredging it up and and mm -hmm. using it as fodder for the show. 
Um, but I think it is fascinating from a, a personal BCDR perspective, a professional BCDR perspective, an interesting commentary on um, disasters and how they're handled. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think it's very, very valuable information. Um, if folks want to learn more, can they contact us? Can they contact the show? Can they chime in on LinkedIn? Are you willing to enter entertain more questions about it? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, after this thing that's coming up in UPS, I will probably go quiet again. And that's part of why I wanted to bring this up now, because I was kind of getting back in the mood to talk about it. I will probably not be in the mood to talk about it again after September. Um, but yeah, and if anyone wants to, there, there's a whole Wikipedia page about this. Um, the Lexington Herald Leader newspaper um, was the paper of record. And so if you ever want to go onto their website, I think it's, I think it's just Kentucky.com is the Lexington Herald Leader newspaper. They have all the uh, past articles, tons of stuff, you know, news stuff. If, they, if anyone is in, has interest in this particular incident, but yes, um, uh, for the next uh, probably two months, I'll be in a mood to talk about it again. Um, so yeah, if anyone has any questions or, 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 or thoughts or, or wants to hear any more stories about, uh, my dad or what it was like to, uh, attend NTSB <laughs> hearings or, uh, uh, get calls from, you know, uh, all kinds of reporters at all hours of the night. Sure. I'll, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Well, I just feel kind of bad for Walter Roger and Paul, they, they sponsored this episode, not knowing <laughs> this is going to be depressing. And, and oh, it's not depressing. Okay. <laughs> like I said, All I'm right. not trying to bring it down, but yes, right. you no, no, it. this was actually fascinating. And I can't thank you enough for wanting to be willing to share. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, that said, uh, Rafti, any updates from the world of safing or Portmaster? No, you're not, you're not going to push another <laughs> 1.5 now or well, 1.4 is on its way, but no, I'm okay. not saying anything right. like after such an episode. Thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, for, for sharing. Yeah, no problem. And I think it's a great reminder. Um, as you said already, Ben, like, um, sometimes, um, stuff like this is, is good just to sort of like keep you on your toes and be like aware that even though you've been on this earth for so long any day could be um your last and just have your stuff in order absolutely I think that's I, I, out of love as well like you care about them that's why you plan for this it, uh i i don't know how how much personal to share but uh robin and i have a meeting with our state attorney on friday and um it's something you know it's something we've been putting on the back burner for too damn long and it's finally at the point where um, I become reliant on her income. So if she goes, <laughs> I, I need to be sustained afterwards. And that and me and the pets, that's, that's what this is all about. And then you always have to ride that fine line for a long time. I was very reluctant to get life insurance altogether um, because I really don't want anyone I'm living with to have an incentive to see me dead. <laughs> And yeah, she, that's a... she's a, a much better shot than I am. So um, uh, this, this is of some little concern to me, but uh, I, I do recommend it. Go out, get it done. If nothing else, write your instructions down for the person who's going to have to clean up after you. Um, recently had a, a, a classmate of mine, a good friend of mine, become the executor of a third classmate of ours who died suddenly. 
and it's a mess. His whole estate had absolutely no cohesion. Um, there were no instructions. There was no will. Uh, and it, it, it really is an onus to put on the executor um, when they don't know what you want or don't have the legal wherewithal to support what you would have intended. Uh, so get that sorted out. Be a grown-up. Be responsible about it. Yep. Yeah, because if you don't write it down, the government will do with your estate what they want to do with it, at least in the United States. I'm not sure how uh, Austria is <laughs> if you die without a will. Don't know either. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. There are laws set up to handle this, and the laws are a one-size-fit-all zombie that is heinous and it was built on social mores from a hundred years ago and they're going to carve up the estate and do what the law says unless you tell the law otherwise and that's really really important um so yeah go do that uh all right uh until next time i'm ben maliso i'm matt snotty and i'm rafael fiedler join us again next week where we'll hopefully have a non-death episode of the sensuous sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications. Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp feedback or questions on what we discuss, send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F. I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash s-s-o-i underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.